Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. I am as excited about this as I've been about, thank you Jake, as I've been about anything. Everybody say kingdom. In order to understand the Bible, you must have an understanding of kingdom because God's plan was not just for you to go to heaven and live in this perfect realm. God's plan for you was to uh, take dominion here on planet earth, which means If you're just trying to get to heaven like right now, the devil's trying to keep you here. But if you're, if you have a revelation on kingdom and you're trying to stay here and see the will of God come pass, come to pass, then that's when the devil's trying to take you out. So I just want to give you a heads up. You get a revelation on kingdom. Don't be surprised when all hell breaks out in your life. Just know we count it all joy to be a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. Like I say it all the time, but like we get in this thing to fight. The kingdom, come on somebody, of God suffers violence. But us violent ones, come on somebody, we take it by force. Just look at your neighbor in the face. Just tell him I'm not going to be pushed around in 2020. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I'm not going to be pushed around in 2020. Now I'm not talking about the, the teller at the bank that frustrates you. Come on somebody. I'm not talking about the, the waiter at, at Denny's who brought you unsweet tea or, or gave you sweet tea in the middle of your no sugar fast. Come on. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about? You tasted it, it. It, it tastes like electricity hit your body. Whoa, glory to God. Oh, I mean, it must be the will of God. I didn't ask for it, you know. This is abundantly above. More than I can ask or think. I better drink this whole thing and then tell them I need the unsweet tea. Bless my kids are. It's so beautiful to, to grow up in freedom because, you know, religion is not what Jesus is about. I strongly encourage you to fast at the beginning of the year. Fasting doesn't change God. God doesn't change. But fasting will change you. You get some of that stuff off your docket off your mind, uh, you let your stomach growl for a little bit. And every time that stomach growls, you just remind yourself to thank God. And you spend some time praying and meditating. Praying is talking to God and meditating is listening to God. Praying is talking to God and meditating is listening to God. Meditation is not uh, a mystical religious event. Meditation is taking some time as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. So if you're thinking on God, God is in your heart. Come on, somebody. So when you're going through this beautiful season of prayer and fasting, just make sure you're doing it in freedom as well, especially with your children or grandchildren. Don't don't beat them over the head. Come on, somebody. If they want to fast with you, I think that's beautiful. I strongly encourage it. But if they're fasting bread and they eat a piece of pizza, come on, don't throw them out of heaven. My little eight-year-old, she, she's fasting bread 
And she said, oh no, it's what? I ate some pizza, dad. I was like, oh man. (laughs) I said, no, baby, it's fine. I said, I said, you don't, you don't worry about it at all. I said, the Lord loves us. And this is something we're doing willingly. And the older we get, you know, the more we can count. I said, you don't even really get the option of choosing your meals, you know, your whatever. It's like, okay. And that creates a love for Jesus that is much greater than as if Jesus is the boogeyman out to get us. Jesus is not the boogeyman. Jesus is the boogeyman underneath the devil's bed. Jesus is not out to get you. He's out to save you. So you raise your kids in this freedom and then that creates a love for Jesus because my God, every time I mess up, he forgives me. How could you turn your back on somebody who constantly forgives you? See, you don't need to uh, uh, have an idea of Jesus. You just need a deeper revelation of what he really is and who he really is. And then it's, it's practically impossible to turn your back on him at that point. You still can, but it's, it's practically impossible because you, you fall in love with love. When he tried to define himself, the scripture says God is love. You fall in love with love itself. You know how hard it is to be mad at somebody that's constantly forgiving you? Anytime you've ever been upset at Jesus, it's because you don't have a revelation of what he's like in that moment. Oh, but the people in the Bible, they got mad at God. You're talking Old Testament. That was before Jesus came. That was before we saw God walk around for 33 years on planet earth and show us his nature. They were upset at God, but they were not lawfully upset at God because everything God has ever done is for your benefit. So when you're upset at God, you don't have a big enough revelation of what he's doing in the moment. If you lose a loved one and you get upset at God, you don't have a big enough revelation of heaven. Oh, but I have the right. You have every right. You have dominion right here, but some things are still dumb. If you ever get upset at God, I'm not saying like a, like a moment, like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm in the middle of fast. I'd sure like to eat these nachos. That's not what I'm talking about. But if, but if you ever get upset at God, you need a bigger, deeper revelation of who he really is because he's on your side. It'd be like fist fighting your quarterback. If you're the running, if you're the running back, let's fight the other team. Come on, somebody. So you just get a better revelation on who God is. You can, nothing, nothing, you know, the scripture never says we can't ask God questions, but, but the Bible does say you don't test God, like tempt God. You don't like, you don't like act like he's not holy. Come on, somebody. Who are you to measure holy? Come on. You hadn't gone a week without cussing. Not here to pick on you. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. You get a bigger revelation about Jesus, you'll stop, you'll stop measuring everything by your own failed moral compass. Did you make your moral compass? You see what I'm saying? We, we end up, we, we, we forgive everybody, but then we have these pet sins that we kind of overlook. And then we wag our finger at these other sins that we just don't like. 
And what it needs is a bigger revelation of Jesus. Because when you realize how often and how willing and how able he is to forgive you, and and I'm talking kingdom now, because in Ephesians says, you are seated, you're raised with him and seated in heavenly places, seated with him. The angels are standing around the throne and you are seated with him. The reason you're seated with him is because kings sit in throne rooms. And the book of Revelation says you're a king and a priest unto our God. You say, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was the king. He is the king, the king of kings. You are the kings he is king of. There's so many gears turning in here right now, Jake. I feel some wheels grinding. We're going to bring some WD-40. It doesn't disrespect his royalty to say about yourself what he says about you. On the contrary, it verifies that you believe his word because most of the time you don't feel royal. Most of the time you feel like I don't have it together. I wish I had the answer. You look across the street and their white picket fence is painted and their grass is cut perfect and, and their flowers are, are blooming in the winter. How in the world do you get flowers to bloom in the winter? And you're trying to figure out how they did it and you think they have it together and you have no clue what's behind the, the painted fence. Because in the kingdom, comparison steals peace. Because when you compare, you only have two options. You either come out thinking you're better than them. Now you're arrogant and haughty. Or B, you feel like you're less than them. And the Bible says you're above only and not beneath. So in 2020, as we go in with a nice clear vision, we're not going to spend 2020 comparing our situation or our life to everybody else's We're going to run our race. Come on, somebody. We're going to believe God in the face of any and all adversity. But the kingdom of God uh, is, is the plan of God. And so Jesus came back, came to planet earth uh, from heaven, and he reestablished your authority. Everybody say authority. See, authority is very important. Uh, it's, it's, it's what gives you the right to have whatever you have. So for instance, if you write a book report and you copy and paste somebody else's book report and you turn it in, you have plagiarized a copy written material that you are not, here's the word, authorized to use. The reason you are not authorized is because you are not the author of it. Therefore, before Jesus came and seated us in heavenly places, washed us in his blood, The Bible says that we were not authorized anymore. The Bible teaches and implies that we were not authorized anymore in our dominion. So we were still supposed to have dominion. We just didn't have the authority. Does this make sense? So what had to happen is if you're going to get authorization, who do you need to get it from? The author. What is he called? The author and the finisher of your faith. So if you're going to have authority, 
you need authorization from the author. So the author came and gave you authorization to have authority back here on planet earth, placing you in right positions. Now you who were less than have been raised, the Bible says, and seated in heavenly places. You are above only, not beneath. You are the head, not the tail. You're blessed and you're coming in, blessed and you're going out. And if you start to get a revelation on this, then you start to understand kingdom. Then you stop walking around, blaming everybody else for what you're going through. You stop complaining to God about the mountain. You actually start talking to the mountain about how big your God is. But it all comes down to authority. So in 2020, we got to get a revelation on the kingdom. We got to get a revelation on authority. And when you get a revelation on kingdom authority, you understand that you're seated in heavenly places. And then whenever you're seated in heavenly places, now all of a sudden you begin to walk out that level of dominion that was originally planned in Genesis one and two. And all of a sudden you begin to fulfill the kingdom of God right here on planet earth. And you actually make a difference with your life. How many of you would just like to make a difference with their life? Just wave at me. If you want just the ripcord, the parachute to get to heaven, I can, I can teach you about that. But if you want to make a difference, so I don't want to go to heaven and just go, whew, made it. I want to go to heaven and say, I wrung it out, Jesus. I did what you said to the best of my ability and you helped my inability. I want to get to heaven and, and have him say, hey, well done, Brian. That's way better than Jake. All right, here we go. This is critical. I'm going to give you three keys today, hopefully in about 20 minutes, 20 minutes or two hours. We'll see how it goes. 20 minutes, new content right here. Very important. Number one, write this down. The will of God does not automatically come to pass. The will of God does not automatically come to pass. It is not the will of God for bad things to happen to good people. The will of God does not automatically come to pass. The will of God comes to pass when those who have dominion and authority take up their rightful position And speak the word of God in this atmosphere and stand on it. In the book of Genesis, chapter number one, we see the creation story. And God said, let there be light. So he constantly called everything into creation. So all through Genesis, while things were being created, God created them. Then the Bible says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And the Bible says that uh, uh, God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And then he breathed the Ruach or the spirit or the breath of God into the lungs of man. And man became a soul or a creature or a living spirit on planet earth. So you are a spirit that lives in a body and you have a soul. Your soul is your mind your will to do a thing, and your emotions. That's the part of you that really needs to be saved. Come on, somebody. So in Genesis, when he was creating everything, he called everything into existence. Then he created man, 
and he gave man dominion. How many of you have heard anything like this? Just wave at me. Two of you. Great. So he, he gave man dominion and authority here. And he said, I want you to manage planet earth. I want you to name all the animals. I want you to, to, to fill it up. The first command that he gave him was in Genesis one. And he told him to, he told him to multiply Genesis one and two. There's references to what he was telling him to do. And he said, I want you to multiply. So in the beginning, before mankind was positioned on planet earth, God called everything into existence. Are you still with me? After he created man, he handed over the keys or the authority to mankind. And after he created man and gave him that authority, you don't see him calling things into existence. You see him calling a man into a position. That's why that calling on your life won't let you go. Because he's not calling light into light. He's calling a man to call forth light. Or a woman. When I say man, it's male or female. He created male and female in chapter number one at the same time. They were formed separately. But they were created in chapter number one at the same time. Females are not second class citizens. Matter of fact, if they ran the world, they'd probably fix this thing for lunch. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> At least we'd have some lunch, you know, <laughs> me, me, me and Jake. <laughs> we'd be sitting there eating tuna out of a can trying to figure, I don't know. God's going to do something. Praise the Lord. <laughs> they'd fix it before lunch with a baby on their hip. No problema. I don't know how y'all turn into like superheroes when y'all have children, but it was awesome. I remember Crystal, when we first got married, you know, I, I don't know why, but in my head, I was like, man, I just, I gotta, I gotta so, you know, make sure that she never steps in mud and, you know, all this other stuff. And so I'm just like, here you go. And, you know, everywhere we went, I'm like, no, baby, let, let me carry that. Let me carry that. And, you know, I'd carry the, the bags and, you know, everything. And she'd be moving the furniture around. No, 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 baby, put that down. Let daddy do that. You know what I'm talking about? And I, I moved around and, you know, then all of a sudden we had a baby and I was like, all right, here's, here's how it's going to happen. We were taking our first baby home. I was like, here's what's going to happen, babe. All right, here, here we go. Okay. I'm going to come home. I said, I said, I said, we're going to come home. I said, I said, you stay here. I don't want you, you know, walking, you know, you just had a baby, you know, you can't walk for like two years, you know? So I want you to sit right here. I'm going to come. I'm going to carry you in the house. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go lock the door. I'm going to lock the door. I'm going to get everything ready. I'm going to carry you in the house. Then I'll come back and get the baby and all the bags and stuff like, cause I don't want you to carry anything. I said, I said, daddy going to take care of this. You don't have to worry about it. You little delicate flower. I got this. I get out of the car and I walk up to the front door and I unlock the door and I open the door wide so I could, so I could walk in with everything. And I turn around and she's got the baby carrier on this arm. She's got the diaper bag on this arm. She's got the overnight bag on, on this arm. And she's like, let's go on inside, babe. I'm like, what? I didn't know you could do that. I've been carrying this stuff for years. Woman, you could have carried some stuff. You girls are amazing. Come on, let's give a hand to all the girls in the house. So he gave dominion and authority to mankind 
and you don't see him calling things anymore. You see him calling people. Why does he have to call people? Because he gives his gifts without repentance. Man didn't do anything to get dominion. Therefore, it was a gift. A gift is something you didn't do anything for. So God's not going to take the dominion from you. So if you keep saying, woe is me, that's the authority to speak in your own life. And you are calling what you don't want into your own life. If you keep speaking, I'll never get ahead. I'll always be in debt. I'll always be sick. Oh, here comes my sinus infection. Oh, here comes the flu season. Oh, my goodness gracious. God, God help us if there's anything else. More tragic that you're talking about. But you have the dominion authority in your own life. And the Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. It's the most, it's the most volatile, powerful thing you have at your disposal. So if you're speaking haphazardly with us, it would be like taking a firearm, loading it, putting your finger on the trigger, taking it off safety, and just waving it around everybody in your life. That's how volatile and powerful your mouth is. And what I say about my life is significantly more important than what you say about my life. Let's get that revelation down in our spirit. I just said what was stolen from the Bible, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you is not true. Your words will paralyze you or they will set you free. Because he gave you dominion and he's not taking it back. So he stopped calling things and started calling people. And then he started saying, here's what I'm going to need you to do. If you'll say this, I'll do this. Why? Why did he say it that way? Because you're the one that has the dominion and authority to call it into existence. When the Israelites were captive in Egypt, God didn't, you know, walk in there and tell Gabriel to tell him to let him go. He said, I'm going to need a man. And everything that, that, that Moses said to the Pharaoh with regards to the plagues and the problems that were going to come on Egypt, God told him, God told him, go say this. Moses said that, and that released it into the atmosphere because Moses was the one with the dominion. Because the will of God does not automatically come to pass. How many of you have served God? Well, let me ask you this. How many of you have been at New Heights Church for more than a year? Just lift one hand. We're so glad to have you. Shonday Ronde. Now, honest question. How many of you, I'm not saying you haven't experienced some trials, but significantly, your life is better since getting connected to the body of Christ. Just wave at me. That's because when you get in this thing, and you start getting a revelation of the authority and the dominion that you actually have, the will of God starts to come to pass in your life. Number two. You guys, I really appreciate the attention. I know I'm not teaching with like crazy fanfare, but this stuff right here will revolutionize your life and family. Number two. This is so, this is so crazy good. Has anybody ever heard anybody say this? 
Oh, you know, everything happens for a reason. Look me in the face. Controversial. It's not true. God can use everything that happens. But number two, this is what I want you to write down. Everything that happens was not supposed to. You were not supposed to be abused. Do you see how the fallacy in the statement of everything happens for a reason, everything's supposed to happen is going to happen? No. You were not supposed to be abused. Some of you need to hear that. You were not supposed to be abused when you were a child. You were not. That was not right. That was somebody with dominion on planet earth utilizing it in the wrong way. And it hurt you and it hurt God. That was not supposed to happen because if you, if you, what, what, what happens? And the reason people like to say whatever's going to happen is going to happen anyway. Nothing I can do about it. The reason people like to say that is because it removes all of all responsibility. Now it's not my problem. Now it's not my fault. You get a DWI. Oh, everything's supposed to happen. Supposed to happen. No, God didn't buy that Michelob. You bought it, you drank it, you drove it, you went to jail. Yeah, but I got saved in jail. That's called grace. That's called grace. That is the picture of all things working together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. That is not the picture of all things are good. Everything that happens is not, was not supposed to happen. Everything that happens was not supposed to happen. And I'll give you even further of it. If everything that happens was supposed to happen, then Jesus was going against his father when he was healing the sick. Oh, I can't heal them. They're supposed to be sick. You see how stupid this sounds? And the reason that it is, that it is digestible is because it is, it is encapsulated in religion. That's why it is digestible. There are drugs that people put in their body that if they knew the makeup of it, they would never do it. But you put it in a capsule. Oh, shoot. I just throw that in, swallow it, take a drink of water. Look what I did. You can encapsulate a bunch of challenges and problems in the right pill and almost anybody will swallow it. David Koresh. And even Christians are living the mysticism lie that everything that's supposed to happen is happening anyway, so whatever. But if you change your confession and your belief, now all of a sudden you can actually start to change not only yourself, but you can change what's around you. I didn't think I had that much, that much power. You have dominion here. Well, who gave it to me? The king. Is he going to take it back? Nope. If I use it poorly, will he take it from me? No. 
You can die early by using it poorly, but he's not going to take a gift that he's given you. He said he gives them without repentance. That means he doesn't turn away from what he did, from what he gave you. Because if he were to turn away from that, he could turn away from your salvation. But he doesn't change. So what happens is we start to get a revelation on what happens is not always what was supposed to happen. And now all of a sudden we can start actually engaging our mind in our life in congruence with God's word. And we can start actually changing the environment with our words. Because before where he called things into existence, now he calls people who have the dominion and authority to say it, to say it in the atmosphere so that now all of a sudden what God's word said can come to pass because what he needs is a twice spoken word. My God. The Bible says out of the mouth of Christ, there came a sword. The Bible says the, the, that, that literally when it talks about uh, uh, the sword of the spirit, it's talking about a diastomos, which means twice spoken. You remember where it says anything you can touch and agree on, you can have. It's the same scenario. When I'm going through something, I need somebody to be in agreement with me. And if I can't find anybody on planet earth, I can get my father in heaven to agree with me. Now, I've, now I've got, now I've got uh, agreement. Now I've got, if I've got agreement, I can touch and agree on it. I can have anything that I say. And it beautiful, he said, anything you say. Believing is step one, saying is step two. And then you get right back to believing. But what happens is that diastomos, that twice spoken word, is the word of God that was spoken and pinned down through mankind by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And then now it comes out of your mouth. Now it is a twice spoken word. Because everything that you're going through is not necessarily supposed to be happening. There's some stuff that, that, that you're going through. You're not supposed to be going through. You just haven't taken up your place of authority yet and decided, no, devil, you've gone too far. You're not going to have my kids. They're not going to be addicted. They're not going to jail. They're not going to serve the devil. They're going to serve Jesus Christ and him alone. And I will not receive anything else. So the question is how? Somebody say how. how? That was Native American for hello. <laughs> All right, here we go. Romans 4. Verse 16. Romans 4 and 16. Therefore, it is of faith, somebody say faith, that it might be by grace. Well, what do you mean might be? Well, you know, grace is available, but it's your faith that activates grace in your life. Because everybody that, that, that hears the name of Jesus is not going to be saved, but those who believe on him will. So grace is available, but it's your faith that activates it in your life. And might I add, it's the same with prosperity. You can hear about it all day long, but if you don't believe it, you'll never walk in it. It's the same with healing. You can hear about it all day long, but if you don't believe it, you'll never walk in it because your faith activates it in your life. 
So the scripture says, there it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to only which is of the law, but to also which is of the faith of Abraham. Somebody say, that's me. Who's the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calls those things which are not, which be not as though they were. Let there be light. There was no light. He calls things. Listen, he didn't say let light happen in the future. He said it present tense. B means now. Let there be light who calls those things that are not as if they were. Who against hope. Now we're talking about Abram. Who against hope believed in hope without any reason to have an expectation. He had expectation. That he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. Verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not. Somebody say stagger not. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So Abraham... And Sarah, their names were Abram and Sarai. They had no kids and God kept kept telling them, you're going to have sons and daughters like the sands of the desert, like the stars of the sky. So he would come, he would go to life group and I'd be like, Abe, how's it going? Oh, pretty good week. Anybody got anything to pray about? And everybody else like, yeah, you know, my donkey fell in the ditch, you know, hurt his hoof. I had to fix that. Oh, really? Yeah, that's good. So anybody else got anything to pray about? Yeah, you know, we're just believing God. We, we've lost some sheep. There's a wolf that keeps coming in. And I don't know. Anybody else? And, and finally get to Abraham and he's just waving his hands like this. And everybody just kind of rolls their eyes. They know what he's going to say. He's a hundred years old. Get a picture of this. He's a hundred years old. Got Sarah sitting right there. Even Sarah's like, oh God. Come on, ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh my God, here we go. He stands up. He says, first and foremost, I'd like to give honor where honor is due. The great God of the universe has so blessed us. And everybody's like, glory to God, glory to God. And I just want to give honor uh, to the one who sits on the throne. He is so faithful. He's leading us. To a city that we don't even know and to a, to a region. Everybody's like, yeah, I've been leading this for years. Abe still hasn't seen it. And he's like, I just want to say thank you for all of that. And then somebody bumps their neighbor and they say, here we go. And he goes, and I especially want to thank God that I'm going to have children as many as the sky, as the stars in the sky and the sand of the desert. And my 100 almost year old wife is going to give me a son. And I am so thankful. God is so faithful. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. It is teeth fall out. Come on, somebody. And everybody's giving a golf clap like, oh, okay, yeah, sure you are, Abram. 
He staggered not. Come on, somebody. He staggered not at the promise, but was strong in faith. Come on, giving glory to God. It's about time we start giving God some glory before the promise shows up. He said he's going to bless you and you're coming in and going out. I dare you to start thanking him for blessing you and you're coming in and going out, even when your checking account doesn't look like it. I dare you to start thanking him that the prodigals are coming home, even when that prodigal hadn't called in a year. I dare you to start thanking him for blessing your house, even when all you've had is roof problems for five years. Because we're not going to stagger at the promise. We're going to be strong in faith. Here we go. Number three. Write this down. Last point. I'm closing with this. How do you do it? Here's how you do it. Right here. Faith does not deny facts. My God, I may run around this room when I say this. Jesus, this will set you free. Faith does not deny facts. Faith defies facts. Ten of you got it right here. Faith doesn't deny you're going through something. It defies it. No, 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 no. I don't receive that from my house. No, I sure don't. No, I sure don't. Mm -mm. Doctor gives you a bad report. You say, thank you for being a good doctor, but I do not receive that in my spirit. No, absolutely not. I don't think so. No way. Oh, stock market's going to crash. Could crash on everybody else. My money's going to be fine. I am not denying the facts. I'm defying the facts. Come on, somebody. Oh, all these kids are going to hell in a handbasket. Your kids might go to hell in a handbasket. My kids are going going to the upper room. They're going to prophesy. Come on, somebody. We're not, we're not denying the facts. We're defying the facts. Don't you remember Jesus walking around with his disciples and he's like, he's like, he's like, all right, guys, come on, man. Somebody's like, Jesus, you're not going to believe this man. Lazarus is sick. He might die. He's like, all right, we'll go take care of him later. I got some other stuff I got to do. And everybody's like, you're going to leave Lazarus over there dying. He's like, it's cool, man. And then somebody comes up. They're like, oh, Jesus, you're not going to believe this Lazarus died. And Jesus said, he's not dead. He's asleep. And Peter's like, whoo, thank Jesus. Thank you. I thought he was dead. And Jesus like, no, man, he is dead. But I don't receive that. He's sleeping. I don't deny facts. We defy facts. How long? My God. Till we get some new facts. Come on, somebody. I don't receive that. My best friend in the world, Jake Rimmer, pick on him all the time. About April, May of last year, he was, he was told, he walked out of the doctor's office. He called me crying like a baby, sniffling. No, he wasn't. It would have been a good time to do it, but he wasn't. He said, the doctor just told me our baby's going to die. And I was about to say, the devil is a liar. And I was going to go in a Holy Ghost tantrum because I was so angry in my spirit. And before I get the words out, he said, but we don't receive that nonsense. We know this baby's going to live. We know God has a call in this baby's life. And we're standing and we're believing. And, T- and Teresa and I have joined hands. And in Jesus' name, we decree and we declare. And for 10 weeks, they told him the baby was going to die. 
never denied the report. He never called me and said, we're ignoring what the doctor said. We don't believe it's true because sometimes you don't need just to know what's accurate. You need the ultimate truth. And they stood and they stood and they stood and they stood and they stood. And 10 weeks later, I wish I had a revelation on what the number 10 means in the Bible. 10 means testing. What are you going to do in the test? Are you going to yell at the giant and wave your sling around? Or are you going to crawl in the corner and cry? Because the dominion and authority is on you. We don't deny facts. We defy facts. No, I reject that one. I ain't receiving that. Nope. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Well, you can't do that. Yes, I can. Why? I have dominion. I have authority. I don't receive that. Ten weeks later, he got the report. He said, every single thing has changed. This mother is perfectly healthy and this baby is perfectly healthy. Let's give God a big hand of praise. Come on, stand to your feet. Give God some glory. What do you need God to do? I need you to not deny the facts. I need you to defy the facts. I need you to say, I don't receive that in my life. I don't receive that bad report. Cancer runs in my family. Cancer used to run in my family. It stops with me. Just stay standing. I'm going to wrap it up right here. See, it's a shift when you start to understand who you are. We're not walking around like an ostrich with our head in the sand. We own the sand. You defy what doesn't line up with his word. And you stand on it until you see it come to pass. And then you go to the next one. And the next one. Every time your faith is being built, Crystal and I were going Christmas shopping and, and we knew Jake and Teresa were having their baby. We found out they were having it in Austin because they're weird. <laughs> we said, we'll do our shopping in Austin. Praise the Lord. We want to be where that baby's going to be. So he texts me, say, oh, she's here. She's perfect. Praise the Lord. It's like, great. Um, we're outside the hospital. Can we come in? <laughs> He's like, what? I was like, I mean, like clean up and all get dressed or whatever, but can we come in and see the baby? We want to see the miracle. I said, yeah, my God, get up here. We actually gave him a couple hours, but <laughs> get in there. And, you know, they hand me the baby and I do what you'd think I'd do. I handed her to Crystal. Jake said, you know what's great about today? Pastor Brian, I said, what? He said, when we walked in here to have baby Eden, our promise that God fulfilled, we walked right by the specialist office where we received all those negative reports. You start defying the facts that don't line up with his word, he's going to give you the power to walk past everything that's been holding you back. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. 
Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.